from scripture of course and we're featuring a new singer whoa it's Robbie the rapper hold on folks you're gonna love this song okay um, it's a wonderful day today it's beautiful outside I mean here in the promised land the weather is fabulous yep. we're almost I'm almost tempted to go take a stroll around the cul-de-sac yep I mean it's so nice out but today we're going to look at Luke chapter 6, beginning in the 27th verse. Now, I have to admit that when I first uh, came across this passage of Scripture after I was saved, it was one of the hardest things for me to incorporate into my life. I, I always referred to it as learning to walk backward because it was so different than the way I'd lived my whole life before that. And I can even remember as a little kid, very young, I was at a Sunday school class, and uh, part of this passage was read, and the teacher spoke about it, and I had a reaction that I'll share with you when we get there to this in the passage. So Luke 6, beginning in verse 27, he says, To you who are ready for the truth. Whoa, stop it right there. I know. That, I, that's that's <laughs> whole message. Right there. The truth. Who are ready for the truth. You know, like, what's that out of that one movie with Al Pacino? You can't handle the truth! You know? Well, it's like, are we truth, ready for the ready. truth? You know, yeah. because so many times when you try to share the gospel with somebody, I mean, it's the ultimate truth. Mm -hmm. You can share the gospel with people and, you know, they reject it, they reject you, they, they may become violent even. Who knows, you know, I've seen it go every way and I've been every way with it myself. But he says, for you who are ready for the truth, I say this, and this is where it really gets hard, love your enemies. That to me was so foreign to my mind and when I was not a Christian, the idea of loving your enemies was so foreign to me, I, I just couldn't even relate. It was like, what, what language are you talking about? I mean, what what is that? What do you mean, love your enemies? How can you, how can you love your enemies? If you love them, they're not your enemies. You know, I, I couldn't understand it at all. But once I was saved and had the Holy Spirit within me and then read this passage through the eyes that Christ gave me, I realized that Christ came and loved us when we were his enemies. You know, we were we were totally against Christ, living for sin and living for ourselves in this world, and 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 Christ came and loved us. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that is what we're called to do. So he says, if you're ready for the truth, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. You know, think about it. We allow our if we don't love our enemies, if we react in in hatred, react in in violence, or or. or contention of any kind, we're allowing these people to bring out the worst in us. You know, uh, it, it's 
It's allowing someone to have control of us who obviously is not on our side, you know, and, and God is showing us a better way here. It says, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Instead of cursing them, instead of mumbling under your breath, instead of getting a, a root of bitterness in your heart, you know, when someone does us wrong, someone crosses us, maybe someone hurts us, pray for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I've found over the years, people, when I've had trouble with people, you know, and thought, you know, I really don't like them or whatever. The more I pray for them, the better I feel for them, mm-hmm. you know. So it's very great advice here, obviously. If some, now this is the, the, the verse that when I was a kid, yeah. it says, if someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. Now in the King James, which is the, the Bible they were using when I was a kid, it says, if someone slaps you on the left cheek, turn, turn to him also the other. Right. You know, I remember as a, just a little tiny kid. You know, I couldn't have been like, I don't know, six, seven years old, something like that, you know. Eight, maybe I was fine. I was starting to hang around the corner, you know, and, and the Sunday school teacher said, if someone hits you on the left cheek, turn to him also the other. And I, I just remember saying to her, teacher, teacher, if you do that, they're going to slap the taste out of your mouth. There won't be nothing left. They'll beat you up, man. You know, and I just, and they might. And they might, you know, think about people in the world and, and people in our own lives. Think of ourselves. When we have just stood there and took it, sometimes the abuse didn't stop. Sometimes it got worse, mm-hmm. you know. But if we do what God says, it's always going to bring a blessing. Amen. Even if we don't understand it, you know, even if it doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah. you know, once you get the Holy Spirit in you and you realize Christ hung on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. When you think of Stephen, when they killed him, saying, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. You know, think of the, the people over the years who have been martyred and the people around the world who are being tortured. Read Watchman Nee, who was tortured horribly and, and finally killed by it, who prayed for his, his torturers the entire time. You know, uh, we can follow this advice. That's being Christ-like. You know, it says, if someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. Now, that, uh, that goes, once again, goes against the grain. It goes against, you know, worldly logic. I mean, if somebody's taking one thing from me, you know, you don't say, well, you know, they, they stole $100, I guess I'll give them another 100 mm-hmm. You know, nobody would do that in the natural, you know, but he's telling us to do that. You think he really means it to do that? If somebody steals your shirt, give them your coat? Well, I remember asking you that. <laughs> I remember asking you that about a housing situation we uh-huh, were in. Yeah. When I said, we need to go after that house, and you said, oh, no. The Lord says, if someone steals from you, don't ask back. I remember saying to you, he didn't mean a house. So, yes, I think he means no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, you know, because... I think it's easier when it's a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, it might be easier when it's a shirt, but if it's an absolute thing, somebody steals from you, it's like someone slapping you or someone doing something horrible to you. Yeah. Pray for them. Right. You know. So he says, if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Amen. And we're called to be servants. Christ came as a servant. And he even said at the, what we call the Last Supper, when he, he washed everybody's feet. And then Peter even said, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet you know you're the master you're not going to wash my feet you know jesus said uh, you know if i don't wash your feet you're not and the party is clean and he said well then wash all of me 
And Jesus said, well, if I wash your feet, that's enough. And then when he was done, he says, I'll take this as an example. I, who you call master and teacher, which is right because that's who I am, have practiced servanthood and a servant life here with you. Now you go and do the same. And so he's telling us here that when people attack us, when people take unfair advantage of us, what they're actually doing is giving us an opportunity to develop ourselves as a servant. Mm-hmm. And then this passage is ended. Uh, it says, no more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. See, that tit-for-tat stuff I got into, but I, I, I don't think I'm overstepping the scripture, but um, someone was arguing with me and saying, but you did this, so that's why I did this, and you did this, that's why I did that, you do that, and I'll do that. And I, I remember saying, that's just tit-for-tat. Oh, I'm not going there. Yeah, break the chain. Yeah. Break the chain. Now, in the King James, this sentence is the one that's translated, if someone steals from you, don't ask for it back. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's not translated that way in, in the, the, the message, but the meaning is the same. No more tit-for-tat stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and if we could live that way, and we can't. The thing is, we can live that way with the Holy Spirit help. I don't think we can do it in the next. I, I know I couldn't. I never, never did and never could, you know, but with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, with His Word filling us, I think we, we can live that way and then reap the benefit of it, which would be to become a servant of God Amen. in Christ. Yeah. So, that's our path message for today. Hope it blesses you. And now we're going to go into a song. We're going to share that song Rosalie was telling you about. Robbie the Rapper. Robbie the Rapper's <laughs> in, the, in the wings right here. We're going to call, hey Robbie, come on in here. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. When you're looking for the answer, don't turn left or right. Can you walk on the water if you stay in the boat?
welcome back. Yes, indeed. I hope you enjoyed Robin. 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 Rockin'. Rockin'. Rockin' Robin. Robin. Oh, my goodness. Rapid. Rapid Robbie. Rapid Robbie. Phew. Woo, wow, man. That was a I know it. I know it. I used to love DC Talk. Yeah. They were such a, a great, great uh, rap band, you know, but then uh, they've gone off into individual stuff, and uh, we love their work, and I just, uh, I sort of did that as an homage. Oh, yes, okay. Homage to DC Talk when I, when I remember when I wrote that. We did a good job. It's a yeah. fun song. Yeah, it's a fun I hope you all enjoyed it. Amen. Right now we're going to read a chapter from America's Trojan War. Yes. Which is available. Is, it's available. Amazon.com. All you got to do is go to Amazon in the search bar, put in America's Trojan War, Dr. Robert Owens, and click it. It's going to bring that book up. And if you click on my name, it'll take you to my author's page. And all 30 of my books are there in Kindle or softcover. One click of the button, you can buy them right there. Go buy 150 of them piece. Yes. You know, that'll be great. And if you think that's a bad idea, write your suggestion on the back of a $100 bill and just send it right here to the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. I hope you enjoy the chapter. Chapter 12, The Great Ghost Wears Fatigue. Just like any other morning, Mitch Williams was busy opening up his gun shop in Dinwiddie, Virginia. He always arrived at 6 a.m., turned off the security system, turned on the coffee and the lights as he put the cash in the register, and then settled down in his office to scan the headlines on the Drudge Report, listen to talk radio, and have his first cup of coffee. If that day had been like any other, he would have spent the next two hours drinking a few cups of coffee heavy on the flavored creamers and having a piece, maybe even two, of the tasty apple cinnamon crisp his wife had sent with him. But this morning wasn't like any other day. This was the day he had been waiting for. The day he had predicted would come. The day he dreaded above all others. Both Drudge and the newscaster on WRVA jarred him out of the life he had lived for 47 years and into a new world where nothing would ever be the same again. Fires are all are raging in downtown Richmond. Eyewitnesses tell us that just after sunrise, a large jet crashed into the VCU Medical Center. The resulting explosions and fire have engulfed most of the VCU campus. When the first fire trucks and police arrived on the scene, they were attacked by multiple snipers. In the light of the massive attacks now underway in Washington, D.C., it is obvious that America is under attack, reported the obviously shaken radio newsman. The headline on Drudge shouted, D.C. under attack in bright red. Swiveling around in his big leather office chair, Mitch was facing the large ham radio that he used to keep up on international news and to communicate with his well-developed network of patriot militias. Mitch Williams was not just a successful entrepreneur. He was not just a loving husband and father of five. He was also the founder and commander of the Dinwiddie Patriots. They were a local militia that had first begun to develop as an offshoot of the Virginia Tea Party movement back in 2011. They formed after the first Tea Party majority in the House of Representatives made it to Washington, and after they promptly re-elected Speaker of the House Jim Bowner, the leader of the Rhinos, 
and then went on to pass continuing resolutions to fund the Obanyo Agenda, renew the Patriot Act, and in general, blend right into the problems they were elected to solve. All over the country, as reality sunk in after the betrayal of the 2010 Tea Party class in Congress, groups spontaneously began forming all over the country. The Dinwiddie Patriots were comprised of over 200 men and women, mostly veterans and many with combat experience. There was also a strong contingent of retired first responders. They were well organized and due to what they saw as the increasingly repressive and anti-constitutional nature of the Obanyo administration, they were also underground. But they were neither unique nor alone. Mitch not only founded the Dinwiddie Group, he also led the way in forging the Virginia Patriot Network, an umbrella group that by 2016 incorporated more than 100 units all over Virginia, totaling more than 2,000 members. Listening in to the conversations going on amongst the many different groups, Mitch soon knew that the governor had decided not to nationalize the Guard as requested by military officials. The consensus among the groups quickly grew that the attack in Richmond and others they were hearing about in Baltimore and up in Pennsylvania were all diversionary attacks and the real threat was in Washington. Though it wasn't being publicly reported, it was all over the Patriot Network that the White House and the Pentagon had been obliterated. By 7 a.m., the commanders of the many groups had made the decision that the network needed to fully mobilize and head for D.C. This was the first time the groups had fully mobilized. They had run several drills where members assembled in different areas. It was hard to do and still remain under the radar but they had figured it out by meeting in public places when large crowds were already expected. They had, of course, never brought their weapons or other equipment. They knew this action would compromise the secrecy and that it might even expose them to opposition or arrest by the government. All of that was outweighed by the gravity of this violent assault on the very center of American life. Mitch sent a text to his wife and his two oldest sons, who were all members of the Patriots, the two-word text, let's roll, went not only to Mitch's family, but to everyone in the group. Soon, several members, including his family, were at the gun shop loading weapons and ammunition into a line of vehicles that had materialized as if by magic in response to Mitch's text. The Dinwiddie group, as with most of the groups, had been training and drilling for just such a situation for years. They had a large farm in rural Virginia that had been in Mitch's family for hundreds of years. Surrounded by woods, they had carried out live fire drills and tactical briefings, always in secret and always in anticipation of either a move by the government to impose martial law, a breakdown in society, or a foreign invasion. Most feared the first two scenarios and dismissed the last as too far-fetched. But Mitch had always made sure it was included in the planning. By 8 a.m., the Dinwiddie Patriots, like hundreds of other Patriot groups, were traveling north in small groups to avoid detection or interference. The leadership of the network had decided that since the military in America was in many ways disarmed and scattered, and since the Virginia National Guard was mobilizing and heading to Richmond, they would converge on Arlington and take back the Virginia Hospital Center. They had no idea what they were going to encounter from the enemy. They couldn't count on support from the first responders. They were all quite sure that if the 
current administration survived, they would probably be prosecuted. But at the same time, they also knew they weren't going to stand idly by while terrorists were occupying even one square inch of the Old Dominion. Into the emerging day, these descendants of the Army of Northern Virginia, these genetic and spiritual descendants of the Gray Ghost and his irregulars, moved out of obscurity and into the blinding light of their date with destiny. So long. Been good to know ya. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see you in another episode again soon. Yes. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful and a blessed day. God bless you.